With us today, we have the Chief Medical Information Officer from Penn State Health, Dr. Chris DeFlitch. Chris, it is good to see you again. Welcome to the show. Hey, Will. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for taking the time. I wanted to start a little bit today just talking about your background. Give me the Dr. Chris DeFlitch origin story. How'd you decide to get into to medicine and then how'd you decide to get into emergency medicine? So I wonder if you're asking an origin story, does that mean I'm a villain or I'm an Avenger? I'm, I'm a little confused about that. That remains to be seen. We'll see how this goes. <laughs> Sometimes a little bit of both being a CMIO <laughs> for 20 plus years. So yeah, yeah so um, I'll give you a little background. I'm a Western Pennsylvania guy. Um, as you can tell behind me, I'm a Steeler guy, born, raised in Pittsburgh area. Um, I did my undergraduate uh, in a small school in, in Erie, Pennsylvania called Gannon University, where I got my degree in physics. I um, was lucky enough to, to join Penn State uh, College of Medicine uh, for my undergraduate medical education. Um, never had any technology interests really other than uh, thinking systems and and. Uh, I was actually a couple credits short of a mechanical engineering degree as an undergrad too. And um, my mind was always sort of thinking systems, but wasn't a technology guy. Ended up in the um, early 90s going to UMass in Worcester uh, for my uh, emergency medicine training. So I'm an emergency physician. And for some reason, ever since I was a little kid, always wanted to be an emergency physician. Lucky enough to be able to do that. Finished up in the academic center saying to myself, there's no way I'm ever going into academics ever again. Uh, went and worked in the community hospital, actually the hospital I was born in, in Western Pennsylvania for about a year. Yeah. And then literally 25 years ago this month, uh, came back to Penn State. So I've been at Penn State Health and its versions. Uh, initially, it's just the Hershey Medical Center, but now uh, the larger Penn State Health um, for the past 25 years. Um, done everything in emergency medicine from uh, creating an ED with a, uh, without a waiting room. Uh, to uh, helping convert uh, from paper to electronic most of our health systems over time, converting from Epic to Cerner and uh, a whole bunch of other conversions over time. So I've, um, you know, in my, um, that's my sort of healthcare life. Uh, I I initially was practicing a lot of clinical emergency medicine. I still practice. I practice once a week uh, at the Hershey Medical Center. uh, on Thursdays, so I still love taking care of patients. Uh, but my primary job here is of uh, CMIO, and had actually a really fun journey in research and informatics, and a fun journey in training and educating folks, and and doing some good things for our college. And and you know, I think I think making a difference. Yeah, I you know I've worked with you long enough to know you know that you are, and Penn State is is definitely lucky to have someone like you. It's. It's very rare in a, in a CMIO where you have the combination that you do in terms of tenure at one location and then a lot of credibility and experience both on the clinical side and, and the informatics side. They're really lucky to, to have you as part of the system there. Yeah, listen, anybody who's going to put up with me for 25 years and you're not my wife, God bless you. Um, you know, like like most of us were, you know, so energetic and trying to get things done. And in the, as you know, in the early years of, of doing, um, you know, physician champion things before there were even such thing as a, as a CMIO even existed, you know, trying to help people understand how how technology can help improve process and, and, and improve things. You know, um, there were lots of promises back in the day, 20, 25 years ago about how that would happen. And I think 
you know, as we've all grown up into it, uh, some of that has come to fruition. Some of it has just been an, an absolute failure. Uh, and um, I think as we pivot and learn as to what is best for our patients and what's best use of technologies, you know, some things have stepped into it. Electronic records are kind of a basic expectation of everything now, whereas 20 some years ago, it was sort of the, you know, the new kid on the block. Yeah. Um, you know, we, uh, I think, Again, we talked philosophically, but I, I think that, you know, there's that practicality in the business of CMIO, but there's also the importance in education and training. So as a professor in the College of Medicine and, and a center um, founder and a center called CHOT, um, where we study um, healthcare delivery science and how does technology impact um, the practice of medicine, how does how do processes and people adjustments impact the use of technology? You know, what's the right role for people? Um, you know, it's it's been really fascinating to to mentor literally over a hundred students, PhDs, MDs, um, master's students in in healthcare delivery science, and really start developing that thinking about not just technology itself, but the use of technology and the people and processes around it, and how it impacts you know, our family members as we care for them. Talk to me, me a little bit more about the technology piece. And I know, you know, we've, we've talked before about electronic medical records, and I think that one's been well discussed. Talk to me more specifically around communication technology and how you're communicating and, and collaborating across your organization. I think that's key. I mean, anytime anybody's been through a sort of quality review of cases or or how systems are affected, you know, communications is sort of the, the number one thing uh, on the list. Um, it's been very fascinating um, over the years to watch this happen where, um, you know, without um, technologies, um, people actually talked with each other. Um, you know, they would pick up the phone and ask for something. Um, and there was that sort of human interaction. I think more and more um, there's technology intermediaries in there that are helpful and hurtful in some ways. So, you know, people communicate through electronic records uh, in ways, whether they're, you know, inboxes, inboxes or message centers or whatever each vendor calls them. Um, it's really about that communication. Um, but it's an email, right, effectively. And um, it's not really synchronous. You don't know is there a response or not a response. Um, um, I'm an old school guy and I still pick up the phone and talk to people whenever I have a question. Um, but more and more we've, we've been involved with more advancing technologies like texting and, and like, um, enhanced video, um, interactions, both with uh, patients and providers in regards to, to telehealth. Um, and so I think that there are platforms and opportunities for quality communications by directional. I think that's the key, um, in, in both um, the video space um, and in the texting space. Uh, again, I'm still a big fan of picking up the phone and talking with somebody or talking with two or three people at the same time so that we're all collaborating. And I'm talking especially in the setting of, of clinical care, um, that we can get everybody on the same page so we're we're taking care of the patient in the same way. I mean, you know, anecdotally, um, one of my family members, uh, uh, extended family members uh, got sick uh, over this past weekend. And, um, you know, with a quick conference conversation went from a family that was completely freaking out about what turned out to be truly a life-threatening situation to talking them through it, to having the conversation about what are next steps in care. And then as we moved on, texting back and forth to, to keep that communication uh, 
back and forth up to now them surviving this past weekend and 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 going to a um, a longer term re- rehabilitation facility to finish out their convalescence. I think you know twenty years ago that didn't exist. I'd had to get in a car and drive to Pittsburgh, um, you know, which is a good you know four hours away. Um, it's become expected in, um, I think my kids, uh, um, uh, level of communication that their primary, you know, uh, desire is for quick snippets and for, um, and for texting back and forth. And, you know, we've been, you know, partnered with Tiger Connect here for a few years now. And while I think it started off as, you know, how the heck do we use this and where does it make sense? And, you always get these early adopters in any conversion. Um, you know, we're now to the point where we're uh, looking at the numbers a little bit, you know, 2 million plus texts a month um, that is essential to the communication strategies in um, three of our uh, six hospitals. And the other uh, three, um, you know, are converting very rapidly to the point where by by the end of this fiscal year, um, it'll be our primary uh, texting platform. That's a lot of messages a month that are going back and forth any sense as you have observed you know over time and and worked at penn state and used the technology yourself what's gotten better what's improved connectivity has improved the importance of the bi-directional nature i think is really important you know pagers is that sort of long-standing you know 1980s technology that people hold on to um, that say, oh, I've always used it this way. And then, you know, once they realize that they don't have to carry around that device and they already have a smartphone in their pocket previously, and they, they understand that the application can do what that, what that device did is sort of a, the aha moment for most of them. Um, I'm continuing surprised that, uh, in some areas they're so, it's so important to hold on to something that's tangible, like a beeper uh, for some people, um, like a you know a, a local a local network phone as opposed to a, a smart device. Um, that the the mentality shift from <clears throat> the device doing it to the um, application doing it is mm-hmm. a little bit hard for some people to understand. Um, and so the way. I think we've seen it. You're going to have your early adopters. They're going to they're going to grab to it no matter what. You're going to have the people who really understand how to improve process and the use of technology. They're going to gravitate to it because the technology is really easy to use. And you know, if you leverage the roles and the teams and all the the capabilities that are associated with it, um, you can improve you know some specific things. But then you got this sort of you know, last third and the laggards, which is kind of where we're at in our organization is to say, how do we get the rest of the organization moved, moved towards that? And, and it's a different transformation technique. And, I, you know, back to the old guy CMIO thing, right? Our, our first foray into, into informatics and CMIO worlds were converting electronic records. Um, you know, then we talked about optimization of those records. I think nowadays, you know, your more advanced uh, CMIOs are are at the executive table sort of talking about how do we improve the outcomes of our patients? How do we improve um, the gaps in care? How do we leverage the technology to improve the um, opportunities for care we have across our organization? And again, communication technologies are key to that. Video technologies are key to that. Um, ease of use of the electronic record and other peripherals are are key to that. And you know, as we as we mature um, as an industry, 
And as more and more of the technologists understand the importance of the informatics piece of it, and as the uh, clinicians and uh, business folks understand the importance of the informatics to be able to enable them to do all those things, you, you'll see the, the really the development of informatics that you know we some of us had vision for more than a few years ago. You know, we talked about how convenient this technology is, how clinicians are happy with it how it's definitely made their lives easier. Talk to me a little bit about some of the clinical and perhaps operational improvements that you've seen. I wish everybody was happy with it. They're not, yeah. you know, people are not, but generically people don't like change. Um, so folks are, you know, some are coming, yeah. kicking and screaming. That's the reality. <laughs> um, but most people are, are um, understand once they use the technology, like, oh, geez, why didn't I do this before? It was yeah. just that, that, that change management resistance to change. Um, you know, I think we've, We've tried to use the technology to enhance the experience. And, you know, I, I focus in on the quality and safety aspects of things more yeah. than um, it, that includes experience of the providers. So so actually in our community um, the facility, radiology interpretations and actually laboratory um, results, we set up um, different uh, roles within both the community uh, radiology services and the different laboratory services that instead of it coming from Dr. Smith or or Nancy Jones, it's coming from critical lab results, hospital A. Yeah. It's coming from critical um, radiology results, you know, community. And so when I see that text, it puts it in context for me. It's still, you know, Nancy, Nancy Jones and Dr. Smith that's sending it ultimately, but that's not what I see as receiving it. So all of a sudden, without really doing anything, I'm looking at a text with a completely different context than I would have before. Yeah. Imagine you got that in a in a beeper, right? It would say one, two, three, four, five, call me, you know, or something like that. Um, so all of a sudden I've got now four or five minutes of work as opposed to I can look at this and I can see I'm like, oh yeah, that's for real and I gotta do something with it. Or you look at it and say, Oh no, I knew about that already and I can just bypass it. I mean that's a seconds as opposed to minutes conversation. And um it makes, you know, the patient care, I think, a little bit more effective and, and it makes me as a physician um, more efficient. You talked a little bit earlier about, you know, your role as a CMIO and, and being very much connected to the executives in your organization and, and part of the executives. And I've worked with, with other folks and other CMIOs, and I'm sure you have as well, where that's not the case. You know, they're really more part of the IT team. How have you made that connection and what are the things that you track and that you think about and and perhaps the the metrics that you drive to as a CMIO that makes you important and relevant at that senior executive level I do report through IT so I I report to the CIO uh Cletus Earl I think part of that is our leadership team at Penn State Health with Cletus and, and the other folks that he's brought in with uh, chief applications officer, chief technology officer, chief data officer, we work very closely as a team together. So it's really that unified approach. Um, it's not, um, and, and, and I'm at the table as sort of the, the technical clinical voice. Right. Um, 
Uh, I've uh, had roles as physician leaderships in in a couple of different uh, locations. So the folks that are the chief medical officers or the VPMAs of the different organizations, Mm -hmm. I sit with them um, as part of their forum. I sit with the chief nursing officers as part of their forum and um, with with the senior executives in regards to that. You know, uh, it's it's not rare. Some of the guys will pick up the phone and say, hey, Chris, we've got somebody who's in the emergency department over here. Can you come help me? They know I'm an emergency physician. I've been doing it for 25 years. I've taken care of more people than I, you know, care to say. And and so that's that it's there's a level of personal trust there. Um, and um, they know I'm in it for the right reasons. I mean, I, I, I very rarely talk about technology for the sake of technology because that's not why we do things. Mm-hmm. There are some cases where, you know, old pen and paper or pick up the phone and talk to somebody is much better than any intermediary technology. Um, you know, I, I always say that healthcare is about um, people taking care of people. It's about the physician and patient in space and time. Uh, and that can happen in the ED. That can happen virtually now with really good telehealth. That can happen, you know, with phone calls. Um, but you can't lose that that personal touch. So I, I think that one of the reasons I've been lucky enough to have that conversation is, um, you know, I put in my time. There, there's part of that. Um, I've been successful with the help of of my team and others um, over a period of time. And they know it's about the right thing to do for the patient for me. No matter what I say or what I do, it's about the right thing to do for the patient. Um and uh, I won't go into great detail, but when we first selected our EMR vendor, literally in the um, early 90s, I was on the search committee as this young buck who wasn't afraid to to share his opinion. And when um, we did the roundtable and they asked, okay, what, what vendor you want to go to? I said, well, vendor A has a much better user interface and I think would make more sense if we're only focusing on the docs. But vendor B at this point in the the development made a lot more sense for our entire organization because they had some stuff that, you know, um, that the nurse could use. They had stuff where I could get results back to me as a physician. Maybe my user interface to the physician wasn't quite as good as the other one, Mm -hmm. but it was about how we together can take care of patients. And and to me, that theme of doing the right thing by our, our patients doing the right thing by our system has always carried me forward. So anytime there's hard decisions or, you know, anytime there's sort of what's the right thing to do, I think about what's the process, how does it affect the people? And would this be good for, you know, my dad or my cousin or my extended family member who, you know, was just ill. Um, and so that's sort of my North. Um, I think people appreciate the honesty because um, there's times when I'll say, it may be unpopular, but I don't think we should go in that direction because, you know, while it may enhance one part of our org, it probably is not um, not the best bang for the buck for another for another area. Um, ultimately, like anything else, like any, you know, a personal um, or business activity, it's all about relationships, right? And and how do you help each other out? Um, I know it's a long-winded answer, but uh, I think over time I've been able to understand the technology enough to speak to the technologists. Obviously, I'm a physician and a clinician, so I can speak to the clinical folks uh, fairly easily. I've learned a lot of financial information. Um, so when we're talking about finances, we can we can help translate that for the folks who are very focused in on the finance. Um, you know, a lot of times we as informaticists are translators um, between the clinician and the IT folks or the, the business and the finance or this. Yeah. And and because we're clinicians, you know, we always have that 
that sort of, I think, true north, that 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 moral compass that says it's it's really about the patients and how do we get uh, folks to the point where it's about the patients. And I think it's one of the reasons I stay at Penn State Health and have been there for such a long period of time is because I think we have the people here that care about that stuff. Um, yeah. And, um, you know, while there have been people come and people go, um, people come in with different perspectives. And, you know, I think we're seeing a lot of people who, who care about the right things to do. And, you know, I'm kind of lucky enough to work with folks like that. Yeah. And, it, you know, I think that really resonated with me when I, when I visited was everyone was driven by exactly what you just said is ultimately what's the right thing to do for the, the patient. And that, uh, that really comes through at, at Penn State. Yeah, and it's and, and well, uh, it's hard stuff, right? I mean, the healthcare environment's tough, right? Getting access to the right care, uh, being able to contact somebody in a way that that is value added for everybody involved. Um, it's just getting harder and harder and harder. I think you know we learned a lot through COVID. But there was a you know it was just an absolute you know horrendous time for everyone uh, involved in the pandemic. But there have been a few things like telehealth, like you know, like like near synchronous communication technologies and texting and, and video uh, chat that have had got us through it. And now um, folks who may have been more resistant to that, um, that, that use of technologies are now saying, Oh geez, well, why not this? I mean, we're, it, we opened up two new hospitals, literally brand new hospitals in the last uh, little over a year. And we have people that are willing and able to think a little bit differently because you're in a new physical plant and um, working with uh, some of the cardiologists to, to truly have a hybrid visit where the only time the patient is spending time um, uh, face-to-face is a physical exam with a physician. Everything else is being done either uh, asynchronously or synchronously on video. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so there's no reason why we can't do that in many locations. There's no reason why in many locations we can't completely virtualize it and, you know, have, uh, the patients in the, in, in their home. Um, I think, you know, I'm talking a lot of here, but I, one of the things that we're really looking into, um, is <clears throat> some people call it social determinants of health. I, I call it social indicators of health because I don't think it's a predetermined activity. I think there's opportunities for, um, for folks to intervene, uh, where there's the needs of populations and, as we get more and more mature with it, with the um, secondary data aggregation and connection to other um, industries and other resources, I think um, we as health systems have the obligation to be able to make those connections between uh, patients and, and groups of, of need with um, organizations that can actually uh, improve um, their long-term uh, life and outcomes. That's not necessarily your traditional um, transactional um, uh, clinical visits, like an ED visit or a surgery or something like that. But that longitudinal care that actually improves the lives of, you know, a family um, that is uh, facilitated by Penn State Health, you know, I think there's a lot of opportunity there. So I think what we're going to see, at least from us in the next, uh, you know, coming times and probably from others is, is how do we make that work for our communities that we serve? Um, and how do we use these technologies that are now ubiquitous, whether they're, you know, tiger connect or, um, you know, uh, telehealth visits or EMRs or, or whatnot in a way that improves the, um, the lifespan and outcomes of, of families in our region. And, um, I think it's part of the obligation we have from what we've learned over, you know, 20 plus years of, of doing this stuff, but also what, 
uh, companies like Tiger Connect are, are willing and able to do with us to be able to say, yeah, the, yeah, we've done some really good things in healthcare and communications have been enhanced and the ease of technology use has been, the burden has been decreased. But but what about everybody else? What about those, you know, the people who maybe do have a smartphone, but but don't have a ride to the doctor or, you know, have food insecurities or maybe they live in an area where, you know, the safety of the water is not quite where it should be. Um, how can we, you know, leverage these technologies, leverage our expertise in, in healthcare delivery science to be able to improve their lives? And, and I think as we, as we think about things, we allow ourselves to think about those things uh, coming into the future. I think we, we I think we're obligated to make a difference there. And I think mm-hmm. this next generation of, of, of our uh, employees thinks like that automatically is a very important um, you know, social connection to how they purchase, to how they use technologies to do this. And, and it's really the right thing to do. So us people have been around doing it and can tie into that, you know, that great thought of the next generation coming up and how do we bring that together to, to, to help people in need. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Chris, really appreciate you joining us today. You've been so generous with your time. Thank you so much for uh, sharing your perspective. It was great to see you again. We'll have to have you back on here sometime soon. Yeah, that sounds good, Will. Thanks thanks for having me. Thanks for allowing uh, you know Penn State Health and myself to have this forum to be able to talk about some things that are important to us. 